Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Are you glad to be in your father's house? So am I. If you have your Bibles, take your Bibles in your hand, please. Just hold your Bibles in your hand. You have your pen, I see your Bibles, please. Amen. Let us pray. Just hold your Bibles in your hand. Father, we believe that this is your word. We pray that this word will become life to us today. We pray, Father, as we trust in your word, that you will speak to us. And Lord, above all, that as you speak to us, give us grace to have an obedient heart. To live your word, to walk your word, Master. To demonstrate your word. Father, we pray that this word will never depart from our lives. Not, not even from our family lives. For generations to come, we pray that this will be a light to our path, Master. In Jesus' most precious and exalted name we pray. Amen. Amen. Last month, we, we started a study on the book of James. Do you remember that? Praise God. Uh, and we did an overview on the book of James. That's what we did on last month's teaching. I just did an overview on the book of James. And I titled last month's message as The Science of Maturity. The Science of Maturity. That was my title for last month. But today, before I could go into the message of today's message, I want us to have a recap of what we did last month. A small recap so that we will understand where we started from and then we can flow into this month's message. And in a recap, the five points that we took, can I have that message on the screen? The first, the five points was, the number one was the ability to remain positive under pressure. The first point. The second point was maturity, being sensitive and loving towards others. You got that, my sister? The third point was, the sign of maturity is mastering one's mouth. How we could control our mouth. The fourth point is when we become peacemakers and not troublemakers. That was the fourth point that we discussed. And the fifth point was maturity is patience and prayer. So those were the five points that we, we took last month. And for my conclusion, I brought the five points were how do we handle problems? Number one, how do we handle problems? Number two, are we sensitive to other people? Are we sensitive to other people? Number three, we looked at how can we manage our mouth? That was the third point of our conclusion. The fourth is, are you a troublemaker or are you a peacemaker? And the last point that we looked at last month was, how long can you wait for an answer to prayer without giving up? How long can you wait for an answer to prayer without giving up? And these are the points that we, we looked at last month. This month, the title of my message, you can go to 97 more thing, brother. There are two that I kept, 97 and 2000. Let's bow our heads in prayer for a second. Father, I pray, Master, that no plans of the enemy will ever have dominion over your people, over this time. And I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord God, let everything go in perfect order. We rebuke the works of the enemy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Let's turn our Bibles to James chapter 1, verses 1 to 12. And I've titled today's message as, How to Triumph Over Trouble. How to Triumph Over Trouble. And we are looking at James chapter 1, verses 1 to 12. I strongly recommend if you have your Bibles, open your Bibles, because we are going to teach today. We are going to teach God's Word today. Be a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work, so that you may be mature and complete, 
not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high positions. But the rich should take pride in their humiliation, since they will pass away like a wild flower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. It blossoms, falls, and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away, even while they go about their business. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because, having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love Him. Amen. 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 God never intended or made provisions for us to stop growing spiritually. Remember that. God has never intended for us to stop growing spiritually. God's purpose for us is to grow and to become more like Jesus' his Son. That's the purpose of God. To reflect more of Christ and less of ourselves. That's the purpose of God in our growth. Sometimes we become so relaxed in our Christian growth, we feel that we have reached the height. And we don't need to grow anymore. I have become a cell leader, so it's okay now. That's where I want to become. I don't need to grow more than that. I've become a leader. Oh, I've become a council member, and that's enough. Oh, I've become the pastor of a church. I don't need to grow. That's enough for me. And when this happens, when this takes place, that you feel, I have made it to the level God allows I don't say God sends. He allows adversities to come into our lives. Number one, to move us forward so that He can cause us to grow. Adversities come so that we don't sit down too complacent. He moves us forward. How do we respond to trials? Will either make us or break us. How you and I respond to every trial that comes in our life will either do two things. It will either make us or it will break us. Why is that when we encounter troubles, trials, adversities, that we want to quit the church? And each one of you are going through some type of trials or adversities. I will not know. Only if I sit with each one of you, you will be able to tell me. But why is it? And I've seen it in the years with the church members. That the moment they go through adversities, the first thing is they quit church. And I've told this before. The second thing, they quit serving God. The third thing, they quit praying. The fourth thing, they quit reading the Bible. And I was pondering over this. And as a Christian, many of us, when we go through adversities, the first thing we throw out of the window, the first thing that we throw out of the window is our Bible reading. The first thing that goes out of the window, do you know that God likes talking? Women, God can beat you in that area. God can beat you. You know, He loves to talk. In the beginning was the Word. He created all things through the Word. Whenever He called man, when He spoke to uh, Enoch, He kept talking. We heard that last week. He kept talking. God loves to talk. But we don't like to listen. We say, listen, mom, it's enough. My wife is talking. I don't want to hear. And we close that ears. But he loves talking to us. He waits to talk to us. And that's the reason he has given us his word. The more we meditate upon his word, he keeps talking to us. So what the enemy does, the first time when you go to trials and adversities, he makes you throw the word away. You will be coming to church. You will be doing all your ministerial work. You will even pray. But there won't be Bible reading. You will say the shower prayer. 
in the shower. You will say that while driving your prayer. All these short prayers. But the enemy says, I got the first thing out of his life is the word. Now he is not hearing his father talk to him. There is no communion. And as adversities continue, the second thing he throws out of the window is your prayer life. Watch it very carefully. You will be in the ministry. You are in the church. You are in leadership. Two things have gone. Your Bible reading is out of the window and your prayer life has gone down the drain. You have an holy appearance, but these two things are not there. And slowly as adversities keep increasing, now he says, I will stop you quitting serving God now. You, will, you would have been in some ministry. The enemy has caused something. He has given you all the excuses to get out of the ministry. Your, ministry, your excuses could be countless. But you are out of your ministry. Still, but you are attending church. You see the third one out? And at last, as adversities go, he caused you to become angry. And now slowly you leave the church. That's the strategy of the enemy. How he can counterattack you through adversities. Some of us become so bitter with God. We become angry with God. And we think that God owes us something or we think that God is unfair. That we see the brother beside us going well. Why I should go through this? Let me say that God doesn't owe us anything. He owes us nothing. God gives it to us because of his grace and his mercy. Now, if we will submit ourselves to God during this time of adversities, and we will discover something, we will discover two things. In the time of adversities, when you learn to submit to God, you will discover two things. Number one, you will discover who God is really is. Number two, you will discover who you really are. There are two areas that you will discover in the time of adversity. Now, let us look at the first area. The first area, lesson learned about God. God has a purpose. God has a purpose. Press the slide, sister. For every trial that comes into your life, nothing happens to you without the approval of God. Amen? Number two, God has the power. God has the power to work out all things for our good. Regardless of the circumstances you are facing, God can make all things work for your good. The third point, God's perspective. Third point, God's perspective. God is not the same as us. His perspective is not the way we look at it. God sees the purpose and the outcome of our trial. He sees the future, the purpose and the outcome. You and I see the pain and the problem that we are in. God sees the outcome, the future. We are looking at the present and the pain and the problem and we are dwelling there. God sees the future. All we can see is only the present. That's the reason it's very important in the time of trial, trials to ask God, give me an eyes of understanding that I will be able to see through your eyes and not where I am now. Fourth point, God, the promise of God's presence. The promise of God's presence. God has promised us during the time of trial. In Deuteronomy chapter 31 verse 8, He has promised us the Lord Himself will go before you and He will be with you. Number one, in the time of trial, He will go before you. Number two, He will be with you. The reason He goes before you is to clear the path. And the reason He is with you so that He can hold your hand. So that you know you have your daddy's hand there holding you. Then he says, when those two things are made clear, he says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Look at that scripture so beautifully. Deuteronomy 30, 31 verse 8. And last he says, now my son, my child, my daughter, don't be afraid. And don't be discouraged. Isn't that beautiful? He says, don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. I am walking with you. I have cleared the path ahead of you. All those paths I have made it clear. And now I am walking with you. Why are you afraid? Amen. B. When facing adversities, we will discover something about ourselves now. We have seen, we discovered about God. Now let us look at how we discover about ourselves. Number one, 
we will discover what our views of God really is. Second one, my sister. We will discover what our view of God is. Number two, we will discover what our weaknesses and our strengths are. We will discover what our weaknesses and our strengths are during the time of adversities. Number three, either during or at the end, we will discover how childish or how matured we were in the time of adversities. Many of us behave like children during the time of adversities. We do childish things. Or we will discover I have behaved in a matured way during this time. How we handle it with maturity, God, we are able to see ourselves. Last, we will discover our priorities in the time of adversities. What our priorities are. Whether it was God's command or was it my comfort that I was looking at. Many of us look at our comfort and our desires during the time of adversities. My brothers and sisters, God is preparing a people that are being tried and proven, number one. Number two, God is preparing a people that have grown through adversities. So when you are going through that, don't be discouraged. God is preparing a people, He's preparing a church. God is preparing a people that are growing stronger and have become more determined. Even with these adversities, I will not be moved. I am going to serve Him. Amen? God is preparing a people that are willing to change and are willing to become more Christ-like. That's what God is doing in this. And you will discover that about yourself during the time of adversities. God tests us to bring the best out of us. Satan tempts us to bring the worst out of us. When a test comes, God is testing so he can bring the best out of you. So when people eat your fruit, it is sweet. It's not like gutter water. It is sweet. God is preparing a people. I'd like to sing this song. For I am building a people of power. I'm making a people of praise. Can you have that song on the board, my sister? Yes, choir. For I'm building a people of power. And I'm making a people of praise That will move through this land by my spirit And will glorify my precious name Church, sing! So build your church, Lord Make us strong, Lord Join our hearts, Lord Through your Son Make us one, Lord in your body, in the kingdom of your son. For I'm building, for I'm building a people of power, and I'm making a people of praise that will move through this land by my spirit and will glorify my precious name. Build your church. So build your church, Lord. Make us strong, Lord. Join our hearts, Lord. Through your Son. Make us one, Lord. In your body. In the kingdom of your Son. Father, we pray that you will build us, Lord God. Through every adversity. We pray that you will make us more like Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Please be seated. That was just the introduction. Now let us get to our message. Today we are going to learn how to grow through adversities. We are going to look at the first, first 12 verses as time permits. We are already short of time. We are going to learn how to profit from problems and circumstances. We will learn how to turn trials into triumphs. If we are going to grow through adversities, if we are going to profit from our problems, if we are going to turn trials into triumphs, there are certain facts of life that we must face and accept. If you are going to face this, you have to face certain facts of life. And as we look at these 12 scripture verses that we read, 
Let us look at them and say, this is what I have to face in my life. It's found in James chapter 1 verse 2. My brethren, count it all. I want you to underline that. Not one, not two, not few, not some, not too many, but all. What? Joy. When ye fall. There are two words I want you to underline. All and fall into diverse temptation. Problems are inevitable. Number one. Yes, my sister. James did not say, if you encounter problems, consider joy. He doesn't say, if you encounter. He says, when you encounter problems, what you do? Count it joy. So that means problems are expected in life. If you don't have problems, my brethren, I want you to check your pulse. It's a fact of life. Jesus said in John 16, verse 33, In this world you will have tribulation. You will have. Jesus said that. So we have to be prepared that there will be problems in our life. Peter said in 1 Peter 4, verse 12, he says, I'll summarize that. He says, don't be surprised when you have problems. Don't be surprised. It's 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trials mm. when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Ah, don't, don't be afraid as something strange was happening to you. We should never be surprised when a problem comes to us, number one. Number two, problems are unpredictable. Problems are unpredictable. He says that when you fall... When, I, when you fall into troubles, see the word fall. I want you to look at that. It's the same word that the Bible says about the Good Samaritan. That when the Good Samaritan was passing from one place to another place, that he fell among thieves. It was not expected. It was not expected. So problems can be at any time. You can't expect them. They will come now or then. I like the verse which it says, if we are going to expect problems, you know what we will do as believers? We will run away from it. I will do that. I will run away. How many of us will go look at a problem and say, I love to see this problem? No, we will not do it. I like the Bible when it says in, in Psalm 119 verses 105. Look at that verse. It's so beautiful. While I was preparing for this, my daughter gave, gave me an explanation for this verse. And I was so thrilled. I told her, may God use you to become a preacher. Look at Psalm 119, verse 105. It says, your word is a lamp to my feet. Do you know what that means? If God is going to open and show a full light from here to another 10 years, you will run away because you know all the problems. So your word is a light, a lamp to my feet. It means a lamp gives light only one or two steps maximum. So every step that you take and you walk with God, His word will guide you. It's so beautiful. He doesn't show you everything. He shows you one day at a time. He shows you one step at a time. You don't need to know all. Every step, His word will guide you. That's the reason you need to read the Bible. Because He will talk to you in a time of situation that His word becomes a lamp to your feet. Having a flat tire, nobody desires to have a flat tire while they're driving. It's unexpected. No, no one desires to have an accident. It's unexpected. If we knew that... Like Pastor said yesterday, last night, if he knew there was an accident, do you think he would have gone at that time? No. So, problems are unexpected. Third, problems of various kinds. I like this. Problems. The enemy throws all these problems of various kinds. They come in all shapes. They come in all sizes. And they come in all flavors. Beautiful flavors he will give you. One thing about problems is you don't get bored with them. You'll never get bored because they, they come in variety forms to us. They vary in intensity. They vary in varieties. They vary in duration. Some have minor consequences or inconvenience. Some have major crises. Some problems are custom made. Do you know what is custom made? So, Pastor Sean, when you get married, custom-made problems you'll have. 
Second custom-made problem. Pastor Sean, when you have your babies, you'll want to go to church, you'll want to worship your baby, you'll want to worship in a different form. You'll say, we're worshiping this side. Babies say, I'll worship that side. Custom-made problems you'll have. Then, when the children grow, custom-made problems, the headache that they bring from you from school. And as you keep going on your journey, you have custom-made problems. And the duration, sometimes your son is so rebellious, for years you're waiting for him to reform. It's custom-made. Your daughter never wants to listen to you. And you pray every day, Lord, when will this problem end? And how you wish your wife could be quiet. Lord, when will she keep quiet? (laughs) Custom-made problems for us. And your wife will be praying, Lord, when will he learn to love me? Only if he loves me, only I'll be quiet. As long as he doesn't love me, I won't be quiet. Then custom-made problems in sickness. And custom-made problems in death. So how do we? They come in various shapes. My fact number two, I'm running out of time. And if we go out of time, no problem. We can continue this message the next time. Second one, reasons for our trials. The fact, reason for our trials. That's the second fact. We've seen the reality of trials. Now look at, let us look at the reason for trials. James chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, my brother. Because you know that the testing of your faith, the testing of your faith produces mm-hmm. perseverance. Mm. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Not lacking anything. Our problems, our trials have a purpose. Pain is for our good sometimes. If you cut your hand with a knife and if you don't have pain, don't think it's good. It means something's wrong with your body. Uh, Pastor Leslie will be able to say that. It means you are sick. If somebody pricks you and you say, I don't feel anything, hello, you're sick. So if you have pain, it's for your good. Sufferings can accomplish something, my brother. Sufferings have value to our lives. James said, look at that word. I want you to underline that word, what James says. Knowing this, that means it's good to know that adversities and problems that we are facing as a purpose, or a reason in our life. Knowing this, that your adversity has a problem because you have to, there's a reason that is coming. When you go through uh, trials, God is saying something to you. What is the purpose, or what is the problem of this? What is the purpose of all these problems in my life, you might ask. And number one, to know what is the purpose and the problem of adversities. Number one is, problems purify our faith. Problems purify our faith. I want you to look at that word again. He uses the word trying. That King James Version says trying. Those of you who have NIV, look at what NIV says. NIV says testing. Look at those two words, trying or testing. James uses the word to describe that the process of purifying. We are like gold. Unless we go into the fire, what is not wanted comes out. All the dross is removed. Gold must be heated to the highest level of heat in order for its purest form to come. Job said in Job chapter 23 verse 10, he says, He has tested me through the refining fire and I have come out as pure gold. You seen that? Lord, you put me through the fire so that I could come as pure gold at the end. The first thing that trials do is it tests our faith. Christians are like tea bags. All Christians are like tea bags. As long as they are in the packet, you don't know the essence of it. But if you take that same tea bag and throw it into hot water, circumstances changes that tea bag into a beautiful tea. As long as that tea bag is left in the shelf, there's no essence to it. But when you go through adversities and go through problems, the flavor comes out. It's the hot water that changes the essence and makes you into a beautiful tea. And that the aroma is so sm- so beautiful, even when your wife or your whoever's cooking it, she says, that is nice tea. But you do not know what a tea bag is going through there. Have you noticed that? My brother in God is much more interested in building our character, in building character in his disciples, than what he is interested in building churches. Problem purifies our faith. Second one, 
problem produces perseverance in our life. Problem produces perseverance in our life. Look at the word. The trying of your faith worketh patience. Keep your Bibles open. We are doing a Bible study today. There's no evangelism. There's Bible study today. Another way of saying this in NIV, the testing of your faith produces perseverance. The testing of your faith. He's talking about enduring power. He's talking about endurance. The ability to keep going on. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2, the Bible says, Looking mm, unto Jesus, mm, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Who for the joy, he took it as joy that he endured the cross. Yes. My brothers and sisters, none of us like pressure. None of us would like it. We would like to avoid it. If we see pressure coming our way, we will even run away from it. We will hide from it. We will go behind our, under the blanket. But God uses these problems to teach us how to handle pressure and never to give up in trials. Amen? The third one, problems make us mature. Problems make us mature. In, in verse 3 and 4, the Bible says that they help us. Please, brother. Yeah. 3 and 4. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Mm. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature. See, and at the end, let perseverance, let your trials, let what you're going through, let it take its course. But at the end of it, you will become mature. God's one purpose in our life is to make us like His Son. That's the only purpose. God wants you to make you like Jesus. God is more interested in building your character than making you comfortable in any area. He wants your character to become more like Christ. In order to build character, if Pastor Sean, sorry I'm using you as an example, if he wants his son to become like him, he got a lot to deal with his son. Am I right? Because he has to develop character in that child to become like him. And that's what God is dealing with us. He has a lot to deal with us. Our characters, if you take my character and put you forward in the screen, you will all run away. But it takes a lot of hard work for God to change my character to become like Christ. If God is going to make us like Jesus, He is going to take us through what Jesus went through. Amen? Do you know that Jesus was weary? Do you know that He was tempted? Do you know that He was troubled? Do you know that Jesus was discouraged? So if we want to be like Jesus, these are the paths we need to take at times. Not always, but at times, so that we will become more like Him. The Bible says there are two ways that God makes us like Jesus. Listen very carefully. The Bible says there are two ways that God makes us like Jesus. Number one is through the Word. Next slide, my sister. Next point. Number one, through the Word. John 17, 17, sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. So, if God is going to make us like Jesus, we need to know the word, live the word, breathe the word, eat the word, walk the word, talk the word. Number two, James 1, 20, I don't, no need of reading it, brother. James 1, verses 22 to 25, I will summarize this. Please write these points and take it home and meditate upon that. He says the word makes us like Jesus. Now, even if you say, Brother Claudia, I read the Bible two hours a day, I will ask you a question. How many hours of, your, of, of the rest of the day you don't read the Bible? Even if you say you read the Bible two hours of the day, what about the rest of the time? God demands more of the second part. In order to know His will. In order to know His plans. Second point. Number one is through the Word. Number two, when God wants to make us like Jesus, is through the circumstances of our life. Through what we go through, God makes us like Christ. James is talking that many Christians that I meet, you see many Christians, when you talk to them, they say, before, I think our pastor uh, Leslie spoke about this a little bit. Before I knew Christ, I was happy. Everything was going on well. But the moment I came to know Him, I had a lot of problems. And when we go through those problems, the first thing the Christian says, maybe God doesn't love me. The first thing, maybe he doesn't love me. That's what the enemy whispers in your ears. Maybe I'm not a good Christian. 
Maybe I'm really not saved. Maybe I've missed the boat. Brothers and sisters, you are exactly where you are, where God wants you to be in the process of growing up. Amen? Romans 8, 28. 28. And we know that all, all things... Ah, I want you to underline this. Look at that word, all. All things, whether good or bad, what are they for? Work for together. Our, for our good. For good. To them that love God. For them that... No, all things are not good. All things may not be good, but they are for our good. Let me say that again. Not all things are good, but they work for my good. Romans 8, 28 talks about that, but the answer, the secret of Romans 8, 28 is in Romans 8, 29. It says, for whom he did foreknow, he predestined them to become a confirmed to the image of the Son of God. You seen that? Why do all things work for our good? Why? Why does it happen? In order to make you and me like Jesus. You are struggling with your job. You are struggling at your workplace. You are struggling. You are not happy in many things. All that he is doing, he is transforming you and making you like his son. Amen? That's what God is doing. The third one, the third fact, the response to trials. Uh, Pass the slide, sister. The response to trials. Our response to trials determines pastors. Pastors and makes us, uh, our trials and our outcome now changes. Our trials will either make us or break us. In a matter of fact, how do we respond when trials are taking place? Number one, the Bible says, James 1, 2, Brothers, count it all joy. We should respond with joy. It's not easy. It's not easy during, during trials and persecution that we are able to respond with joy. But what we, we tell the Lord, Lord, why me? James says again, count. Do you know what it means? Count? Counting means add. Keep adding. Keep totaling. At this point of view, it's, it has no meaning. There's no, under, no meaning to it. But the Bible says, count with joy. God never makes mistakes. He's still working on us. We like, we like many things of good things to come in our life, but we do not like the bad things. Our second response is to prayer. We have to respond with prayer. James 1, verses 5 and 6, my brothers. Uh, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and unbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, Nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. My brothers and sisters, now the question is, why do we ask God? Or what do we ask God for? What do we ask in, in, in this time? Two things we need to ask God. Number one, we have to ask God for wisdom to handle our trials. We need to ask God, God, give me wisdom that I will be able to handle these trials. And how do we handle that? God, I don't understand what I'm going through. But you help me, please. I do not know how to handle this situation. And as you're praying for God to give you wisdom, you must remember what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. It says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape, that you may be able to bear it. Thank you very much. You are not by yourself. That's the reason when you are going through trials, try to find a man of God and talk to him and find out. This man of God has already gone through that journey. He has walked through those steps. Be with him. Don't go to the worldly man and ask him what I should do. Find a godly man and say, can you stand with me? Can you help me? I need to know what to, how to handle this. And because he has gone through it, he will be able to help you. Amen? So, you must understand what is wisdom. Why do we need wisdom in the time of trials? Number one, wisdom is the ability to apply the use of knowledge that you can correctly handle trials 
and adversities. Wisdom is the ability to handle trials and adversities. A good teacher tests his students with the information he has given them. He doesn't test his students if there is no information that he has not given. Every question that a teacher asks is only on the information that he has taught. And a teacher will expect a student to pass. The same procedure principle applies in our natural life spiritually. God has given us everything that we need in our journey. And he requires us to pass because we have his word. Number two, we should ask in faith. We should ask in faith. We ask for wisdom and we should ask in faith. Then my last point. Fact. The reward of trials. What is the reward of trials? For everything, if we are looking at the last verse, verse 12, what is the reward for trials? Blessed, Blessed yes, is brother. the man hmm. who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him. I like those verses. There are two, three verses that you must underline in it. Blessed the man that endureth temptation, number one. When he is tried, underline that, he will receive a crown of life. But more important, God is interested, more important in one thing, is the last word, for them that love him. God has promised that we will receive a reward. You and I, tell your neighbor, you will receive your reward. And that will be your portion also in Jesus' name. I don't think so. Pastor, forgive me for saying this. I don't think so that pastors and evangelists will be the only one to receive the rewards. I don't think so. But I think that rewards will be given to all people who have quietly put up with difficult situations and have developed the mind of Christ. Everyone who has walked through that journey and through adversities, through difficulties, they have developed the mind of Christ. And he can be a nobody there sitting in the corner. But he has the mind of Christ. That will be your reward. Amen? Yeah. Amen? Yeah. And your reward will be the crown of life. For the man that endureth temptation. Amen? When, when trials come to a complete, my brother and sister, I want you to look at this word. God will reward you. But there is something more important there. He wants you to love him more. That's the most important thing. God is looking for us to love, you, to love Him more. In conclusion of my message, will you learn to grow in adversities? Are you willing to grow in adversities? Number one. Will your adversities drive you closer to God or will your adversities drive you away from God? Will your adversities drive you closer? Now many of you are in this journey and if you look at point one, what have you learned through your adversities that you are walking through in this journey? In this journey, I want to ask you a second question. Have you gone closer to God or have you gone bitter with God? We can grow through adversities if when we face the facts of life. The third one is, trials are a part of our life. You must say, God, thank you for the trials. Trials have a purpose in our life. There is a purpose for every trial that you are going through. Trials will provoke a response. And you must know what response is going to come from your mouth when you face trials. Be careful, my brethren, be careful what you speak when you go through trials. Watch your mouth. Guard your tongue. Put a seal over your lips. That be careful what you, what you do. When you go through trials and if, if one of your spouse is irritating you, Put a seal over your lips. Because you are tested and you are made more like Christ. Trials will bring forth a reward at the end. Amen? I like the song, the last song. We will sing the song. Let us stand up before I call pastor to pray. He's still working on me. To make me what I need to be. It took him just a week to, to make the moon and the stars. The sun and the earth and Jupiter and Mars. How loving and patient he must be. He is still working on me. While we sing this song, I want you to make a dedication and say, Lord, you are still working on me. Make me and mold me a man after your own heart. 
thank God for the trials that you're going. Thank God for it. Don't, don't abuse the person or get angry with the person. But thank God for that person that God used the other person to make you more like Jesus. Amen? 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 Amen. He's still working on me to make me what I have to be. It took him just a week to make the moon and stars, the sun and the earth and Jupiter and Mars. How loving and patient he must be, cause he's still working on me. Once again, he's still working on me to make me what I have to be. It took him just a week to make the moon and star, the sun and the earth and Jupiter and Mars. How loving and patient he must be, he's still working on me. One more time for the last time. He's still working on me to make me what I have to be. It took him just a week to make the moon and stars, the sun and the earth and Jupiter and Mars. How loving and patient he must be. He's still working on me. Amen. working on me. Shall we give a clap offering to the Lord? Can we be grateful that God is still working on me? He's not given up on me. Your neighbor might have given up on you. Your boss might have given up on you. Your teachers might have given up on you. Your wife, your husband, your children, your parents might have given up on you. God is still working on you. That's a privilege that we should never forget. That's a privilege we should never forget. Now we need to just take some time as we thank the Lord to think about where we are today. Have we stopped talking with the Lord? Have we stopped talking? Do our troubles loom big in front of our eyes? That we have stopped talking with God. When you see the trouble in front of you, do you run away from them? Or do you let God take you through it and over it? What kind of a tea bag are you? What is the flavor that you bring out when you are put in that hot water? How do you respond when faced with trials? Think of yourself. Are you in line to receive rewards from the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Even as you think of yourself, where you stand, just remember what King David said in Psalm 23. He said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. In verse 4 he says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And he ends by saying, surely... Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Father God, we just want to thank and praise you, Lord. Thank you, Father God, that you have once again told us, Lord, that even though we may face trials and temptations, 
In fact, you have said we will face trials and temptations. But we don't have to face it alone. You are there with us. You are there with us. You are there taking us over it. Father God, I pray, Lord, that even as we have heard your word this day, Lord Father, we will continue to look into your word. We will continue to gain our strength from your word, Lord Father. We will not turn to other doctrines. But Father God, give us that desire. Give us that mind where we can turn to your word for every answer to every problem that we may be faced with, Lord Father. Father God, there is no problem that is too difficult for you, Lord Father. And Father God, give us that understanding. Give us that wisdom, that realization, Lord Father. And I pray, Lord, that even as we put our hands in your hands, Lord, and let you take us through the storms of life, Lord Father. Father God, I pray, Lord, that none of us will miss the rewards that you have kept for us, Lord. Father God, I pray, Lord, that you will be with every one of us. We thank you, Lord, for speaking to us today, Lord. We thank you, Father God, for teaching us the way through it, Lord Father. We thank you, Lord, that we are not a hopeless people. And we are not in a hopeless situation. Yes, Father God, you are a God of certainty. You are a God of hope, Lord Father. And we put our hands in your hands, Lord. Father God, I thank you for the way you have put your word to us, Lord, through your servant this day, Lord Father. Father God, I pray, Lord, that you will continue to anoint your servant, Lord Father. You will continue to speak to us through him in days to come, Lord Father. You will continue to teach us and train us, Lord Father, to be more like you, Lord Father. To be molded into the image of Christ, Lord Father. And Father God, I pray, Lord, that you will continue to bless our dear brother, Lord Father. You will continue to bless him and his family, Lord Father, even as they continue to serve you, Lord Father. We commit him into your hands, Lord. Father God, we commit every one of us into your care. Lord. And Father God, even as we step out for this, the tasks of this week, Lord Father, I pray, Lord, that we will go out with a testimony in our lips, Lord Father, acknowledging, Lord Father, that everything, you are in charge, Lord Father. No problem is going to come this week that we cannot face, Lord Father. Every problem, we already commit into your hands, Lord Father. Take us through it, Lord Father. We commit ourselves into your hands. We thank you. We praise you. Be with us during this day and this week, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's share the grace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, be with us all, now and forevermore. Amen. Surely. Goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives, and we shall live of the Lord forever and ever. Amen.